five, four, three, two, one. Punkadelic Podcast is a podcast about the things that make life worth living. I'm your host, Andrew Tater Tot, Wreck the House Juice Springsteen, Emily Radajkowskite, What a Fucking Bout is Punkadelophiles, the best show recorded in a bedroom in South Vancouver is back! Whether or not that is a good thing remains to be seen. This episode is gonna go off the fucking rails. I can feel it. Um, you know, can we just write. I know we're just getting out of the gates here, but, like, can we just talk about weed for a second, people? Because, like, where does it come from? Where does it go? Where does it come from, Cottonmouth Joe? You know what I'm saying? Like, I've been ripping down joints of the same shit all week. And getting nowhere. Right, because also I've been teaching myself how to back roll, which is a whole other saga that is going to take 15 minutes. There's a lot to get to on this podcast tonight. Uh, I mean, none of it's very serious. It's a lot of whopper watching and talking about movies. Like, we're we're back in business. MMA crack is over for a couple of weeks. Um, appreciate you guys listening, taking an interest in my interest in that. Um, I'm only trying, like, my goal with those preview episodes is simple. It's twofold. But it's simple. I want to get you excite, more excited about the card than you were by trying to call attention to various fights that are going under the radar, or pointing out what the storylines are for certain fights that um, are, are less obviously exciting. And I want to get you better informed about the fight that I break down on the episode. So it's been main events so far, but it's not always going to be main events. Actually, no, we've done a co-main, so yeah. Again, I'm losing the complete track. I've started like five different loops of conversation here. Don't worry, I'm going to close them all. It's going to be all good. Thanks for listening to those MMA episodes, just to wrap that, wrap that up, put a bow under it. Um, those are just time sensitive, so if it feels like I'm just doing tons of those, it might feel like that for a few months because there's some crazy stuff about to happen in the UFC and beyond. And beyond, in fairness as well. Um, but I'm just buzzed up about it and I think as you'll hear in that last one I brought a certain energy to it I think I was able to bring a certain energy to that podcast and then of course my breakdown turned out to be complete shit because the statistical data going into this fight doesn't really tell stories and I might I was honestly thinking about putting out a 10 minute update to it with all the things that I thought of as soon as I put the mic down that day but um I never even considered the influence of Craig Jones in Alex Volkanovsky's camp, who is a super sneaky jiu-jitsu player who um, is known, is extremely famous for laying traps. So, like, you know, I don't know exactly how you do it, but, you know, it's like fainting in jiu-jitsu terms. And uh, also, like, the programming in the striking game where you're, like, throwing a kick to the body constantly to get the high guard to move down out of place and then... You assassinate with a head kick. Um, I'm sorry for getting into this again. I just love talking about it. This fight happening tomorrow as I record this. Volkanovski, Makhachev. So exciting. 
I think it's fake in a couple of ways because they're calling it number one versus number two, pound for pound. And I don't know if Makachev's definitely the number two pound for pound fighter in the world or they just slapped that on him. Um, either way, I don't mind because I'm fairly certain that Makachev is top five either way. And also, I just don't think that it actually is the first number one and number two pound for pound fight in MMA. Uh, now, my history of MMA is not brilliant uh, past 2015 when I started watching, but I did get heavily involved in the bests of best of DVDs for like the five or six years that preceded that. So I was just wondering, did anybody remember a little old fight called GSP versus BJ Penn? Um, either time Jones and Cormier fought, I think it's arguable that they were number one and number two. Now, it's the, on the actual rankings, on the dates, uh, DC's not, not ranked anywhere near as high as uh, Jones, officially. But if you look at the list and then you start to look back at it with hindsight, you're like, oh yeah, he probably was. Um, DC just didn't get the credit when he moved into the UFC, people, because he uh, moved the light heavyweight and all he had beaten up to date in strike force had been every heavyweight of all time. So they didn't give him any credit for that. So there you go. That's it, it is what it is. But you know in your heart of hearts that was probably number one and number two. So promotion's been a bit fake. And the storyline about the promotion not being that good is because I would say I'd say they targeted all their marketing location based to Australia. Just spent the budget on that. And they also have a Jones fight to promote now, which you know they're gonna put the house into. London, I think, promotes itself with the storyline. And in fact, there's only 10,000 seats there. Whereas this Australia, this is in a huge stadium, right? No, is it a stadium or is it an arena? I don't know. I think it's an arena. But from the way people have been talking about it, I think it's massive. So super excited for that tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Um, I know those are time sensitive, so they're only good for, they're only worth listening to for a couple of days. But um, I have a fucking blast making those. So again, thank you if you've listened to those. And what I was going to complain about in saying that I've been ripping down joints of this same weed all week. I think I'm smoking Pink Death right now, across between Pink Kush and Death Bubba. So, um, like, I try not to be a strain wanker, you know. I, I live in Canada and I have access. I can pick and choose absolutely whatever I want at all times. I'm spoilt rotten. I try to recognize that privilege. But if you, if you were to ask me, if you were to press me on the subject and be like, you know, um, what's your favorite strain or what's just like a dependable go-to 100% do good things every time strain, I would say Pink Kush is probably right there. And yes, I pronounce a Kush, so wah. And then my other fucking whole weed saga this week. Oh, excuse me, no. Jesus Christ, almost moved on before I closed that loop. That one would have stayed open. You'll see, you'll, I'll explain in a second why I am this way today. Don't worry, I'm getting there. So ripping down joints of this fucking pink death all week and going nowhere, like still being able to play a PlayStation. So, you know, that's when you know the weed's not that good. I'm just kidding. I think it was maybe just old or dry or just a bit, I don't know, just not. I don't know. It's nothing to do. Well, I didn't put this one in glass jars. Also, I feel weird about like being a guy that decants his weed in the glass jars. Like that is not. It's not the working class upbringing that I had. Like so. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. But I do have them 
Um, I should use them more, obviously. So we're ripping down joints of this pink death all week to make a to make a short story long, as as is my want to do. That, that's what this podcast is about. Like, just literally, if I ever have to rebrand, because like when Spotify nukes me, which like they probably should have already. Like I was all when I started this podcast, I was like, no way, we can't ever put music in, can't do anything fun with it because that's sure to trip an automatic censor or um. You, you know how YouTube copyright strikes things, whatever whatever does that, an algorithm, is that the word? Um, I thought that Spotify's anchor thing, anchor uploading tool would be the same sort of job, but then, while still being full of those fears, just use the intro from my old radio show, which uses fucking a Metallica riff. I mean, my personal re-recording of a Metallica riff. <laughs> uh, and, like... That intro's got noises from Back to the Future, Queens of the Stone Age, um, Ghostbusters, Bring Me the Horizon. I mean, like I couldn't be picking the more litigious bunch of fucking cunts. All these bands signed to Warner Music, and I mean, Metallica just signed to themselves now, right? They they try to fuck Napster. I hope they wouldn't try to fuck me, guys. I love you. Don't you love what I did there? I fucking added the sound of the Death Star blowing up in Return of the Jedi. I mean, uh, a random explosion to seek and destroy. It's pretty metal. Um, so, ripping down joints of this fucking pink death all week. And then I came to do this podcast, and I'm super sensitive to caffeine at the minute. I'm not quite sure what's going on, but I had a cut back from... Like, so we'd make a French press in a day and drink that across three cups. Like, sort of two in the morning and one at about one or two in the day. But whatever reason, that's just not cricket anymore. Perhaps because I turned 32. And now I turn the French press into four cups. But only drink two. And that was the energy I was going to bring to this podcast. Because that was the energy that I brought to UFC 284 preview. And I got a super nice compliment on my energy in that episode from a, a fan, a listener. And um, not even someone that likes fighting. So I was like, holy shit, okay, maybe that's something. Because we talked about this on here before. Like, I mean, my life is a constant battle between caffeine and THC. But it's nice to come and just hang out in the bedroom and do it stone for sure, you know. But is it just playing better because I'm clearer, more excited, more excitable with the caffeine? I don't know. So either way, today I was trying to go buzzed out, good crack, Donald. And I've wound, wound up being fucking more of a mong than Genghis Khan. I'm sorry. And the reason for that is, and the reason that we've been yapping about joints of Pink Death, is because what I did was... I got the box weed from the bottom of the box. So, you know, it's like an amalgamation of whatever's been in there over the past God knows how long. And grab whatever was there with the fucking scraping tool that I have, which is a cut-up credit card before anybody thinks I bought a fucking tool to scrape my weed box. Relax. Um, and pour that into my new glass pipe, which I bought during my birthday, a day of fun last Saturday. Shout out. That probably needs to be its own episode. If I go down that, if I go down that rabbit train right now, we will never close these loops. So, just lodge that for a future date. But, filled up, like, I got the smallest glass pipe that I could possibly get my hands on. And it was funny because I went into the store. 
the shop, excuse me. Christ, everybody from Newry rolling their eyes. Shut the fuck up. Um, where was it going with all this? So, took the box sweet, put it in a glass pipe, ripped it down, almost fully died from a coffin fit, like was almost six feet under. I mean, I have three stories up here and I almost wound up six feet under. That's a hell of a drop, Punkadella Files. <sighs> and I've been sky high ever since. <coughs> I haven't looked at the notes for this podcast once. It's off the reels. It's done. Now it's fucked. Now this episode's going to be like an hour and a half long and nobody's going to listen to it, Donald. Now look what you've done. Also, I want to make a note to myself right now to try and exercise... <coughs> I'm going to try and exercise good mic technique more often better during this podcast because um, I don't know if you noticed on that last episode, but like that metallic buzzing that comes through sometimes, it just whatever it was in the last episode, I couldn't get a sample of it clean enough to tell the computer to look for that noise and remove it. So it was fucked. I don't know. I don't know where it comes from, where it goes, where it comes from, Cotton Eye Joe. But I also told you that I replaced the cable for the mic and I was like, oh, well, hopefully that's just it. So unfortunately, it seems that apparently that's not it. Um, and it's possible that this mic, which was my friend's stage mic for when he was a singer in a band, shout out Rano Her. Um, you know, it's it's probably the mic and it's just it's just the most expensive thing to replace. So I'm loath to do it because I also wanted to get a second microphone and start having guests on here. Um, although who the fuck's going to come and record in my bedroom because my office sounds like shit because everything's a flat surface in there. Flat surface, you know. Um, where were we? Yeah, ripped out of my head by that fucking bolt. I see why people do it now. It's, it's fun. Um, the podcast's off the reels, that's for sure. Birthday day of fun, 10 out of 10, incredible. Um, the only thing I can say to you guys from that is like, run don't walk to your nearest uh, Kaku Japanese barbecue because it's incredible. It's not just gimmick. It like the food was beautiful, and also I was on edibles and it was so fun cooking your own meat, just completely blitzed, <laughs> drinking Asahi dry Japanese lager because when in Rome, when in Tokyo, um. I really shouldn't go down that path because that could just be the whole episode. And then this Good Crack episode that has been in my notes for months now will never get recorded. And there was... Right now, but... Jesus Christ, I've left a bunch of loops open here. Right. When I went into the store to buy the glass weed pipe... um. I went into one, one smoke shop, so so called first, right? And got in there, and they're like, it wasn't a piece of glass to be bought. Like, there was no bongs, there was no pipes, there was no spoons, there was no tips, there was no nothing. I was like, smoke shop, my whole, but it was like more of the sweetie candy variety of a smoke shop. So it was like um, blueberry muffin, Kit Kats, cookies and cream, Twixes, you know, fucking. White fudge dipped Oreos hanging out of its hole. Like, it was pretty good, but I was like, right, fuck this. 
I'm already here. Well, actually, pertinent to the story, right? While I'm in here, I bought raw blacks, rolling papers, right? Skins. Because I've seen a lot of talk about them on the internet. Stoner hipsters being like, only skins to roll with are raw black. So I'm like, right, dead on, you know, there's no fucking man out there that's going to roll Big Daddy D under the table. Not these says. So I was like, fuck it, give me these fucking great skins that are going to change my life. Bought them, no hassles, no stresses. Go, there's an awesome smoke shop over the road. Happy days. We're not even supposed to be stopping at smoke shops at this stop on the birthday day. Fun. I'm on with book thrift shopping. Sort myself out with a nice two new Stephen King first editions. Boy. Talk more about that later. Much more about that later in the episode. Second smoke shop in, right? Me and the girlfriend in. Um, do behind a counter, Arab or something. Doesn't matter, but like, it just helps color the story in. Literally, but I'm just, um, person of color, the story, and that's where I was going with that. So, cruise in, and then it's got a whole bunch of shite up front, like fucking leather flat peak hats that have like fake boss and you know, a Hugo boss and guests on it and all. And proper, uh, what do they call them in Spain? Wishy washy men. I mean, that's probably racist, but like, washy washy men. Oh my god, I am fucking turbocharged here today. I can't believe that messed me up like this. This podcast's off the rails. Oh no, I'm looking at the fucking levels too. It's like... The loudest thing ever. Oh, so it must be buzzing like hell in there. Oh, this is going to sound like dog shit. Well, I hope it's usable. I'm going to say that much because... I still haven't even opened the notes. And we still have stuff to talk about. I'm in this smoke shop. Me and a girlfriend, my birthday. Had to go right to the far end of the shop to see the glass pipes. So get them about halfway down the shop and the glass pipes start. And they're just like ridiculous, huge, massive at that stage. You know, things that look like the sort of stuff Aquaman would eat his dinner off. And then had to go down right to the far end to get the wee small bitch ones that I was looking for. But I'm looking, for, I'm told, like it's for like, just for close encounters. You just something to have like in a smell proof bag inside your rucksack. Like you see, you don't always want to be stopping and get skins and like, you know, like just fucking can't be bothered sometimes. So whatever. And then sometimes you're at outdoor, indoor concerts and you just you never know when you're gonna need one, but I bet you they try and take it off take that off you in Canada though. But they do be like we'll we'll give you this back afterwards. It's fucking nuts going to concerts here. I, I remember now when I came on here last year going bats about that girl fucking looking me in the eyes and just throwing my edibles in the bin. I was like, excuse me, madam. I was actually hit by a bus and those are medicinal, so why the fuck would you like edibles? What am I gonna do? Cause a fucking mosh pit? Me sitting at the back and fucking twenty one dollar tickets by myself. By myself. Should have fucking pissed all over the place. Anyway, I'm sure that girl get hers someday. Karma doesn't forget a cunt like that, la. Oh, oh god, sorry, I said I would cool it with the misogyny on here. Well, I don't hate women, but this one, I don't love. So anyway, in the smoke shop, it becomes an elementary game, Watson, of picking a colour. Like, there's nothing separating these pipes, and your boy's hovering over me like a fly around shit. It's like, dude, they're in glass cases. I'm not going to be able to steal anything. I know I'm from Europe, but, like, come on. So I was looking, I'm looking. I'm genuinely just trying to pick what colour. I wound up getting a nice, like, blue one. 
And uh, but like while I'm standing there, the boy's like, "Oh, here!" Like looks at me, looks me up and down, sizes me up, talking a while, and uh, then goes, "I also have this." And from a different cupboard, pulls out a crack pipe. I'm like, "No, nah, mate, I didn't fucking walk the didn't walk the woman down here on a date to get a crack pipe." Like, then of course I had to have a, a whole. 18 second chat with myself being like, oh, I wonder what would happen if you threw like a boat into a crack pipe. And, but then it's like I had to buy a torch and everything. The whole thing, I was like, no, nope, no, nope, we're done with this. Turn the whole conversation around. Get the blue pipe. Get the hell out of there. And um, anyway, after Giyukaku Japanese Barbecue, incredible West Broadway, Vancouver. Um, book at home for a sabbatical before uh, cocktails and craft beers that night. And I get in and I'm like, right, brilliant, it's my birthday, I've been on edibles at Japanese barbecue, now I'm gonna chill bill and uh, roll one and lie the fuck down because I could feel all my fucking boss injuries flaring up and all and I was like, oh Jesus. But then I looked at my phone and I was like, we've done, you know, seven and a half, eight thousand steps pottering around bookshops. So it was like, okay, fair dues, um, fair dues. It's easy sometimes to forget that I got hit by a bus, so... I'll be reminding you at every single possible opportunity, and also that I wasn't allowed to sue anybody over it. So, there you go. Thanks, Canada. Whip out these raw blacks. Like, I'm fucking buzzing people. Like, you know, I'm just like, let's get after it. So, I open them up. Like, I open the, the cardboard flap part of it open, so I'm looking at them. And I just, like, something's off straight away. I'm like, uh-oh, no bueno. What's, like, what the hell is this so i'm looking at them and like on the inside flap the writing's upside down so i was like all right that's weird okay so naturally i turned it upside down to see why it was up to read it to see why it was upside down in the first place so now that i had it right side up here's me what these skins are upside down. The skins themselves now. Not talking about the packet as I'm holding it. The skins themselves are upside down and inside out for back rolling. I was like, calm the fuck on. Back roll? So, mercifully, it's not like i never heard of a back roll. I just have zero clue or inclination on how to do it. And I don't want to learn. But then I was just buzzed off my tits. It was my birthday. Everything was going fucking nighty. I was going to see my best buddies for a bunch of drinks that night. Um, we just had Japanese barbecue, which is something I've been wanting to do since I got to Vancouver. But I'm just fucking nervous about going to restaurants uh, or they've never had that type of cuisine before because I think everyone's going to come out of the kitchen and be like, look at the fucking pale face. And I don't know. I know that's completely irrational. They want you to have a good time. Why wouldn't they? Of course. But... You know, here we all are. Mental health is ridiculous. So they're inside out for back rolling boys and girls. What what would this even be like? Yeah, it's like driving on the wrong side of the road. It's like wanking with your bad hand. It's like watching Family Guy not stoned. Just, like, takes a minute for your head to be like, what? Like, have you ever done an IQ test and a really big part of it is mental rotation? Like, that is, like, there's, like, mental gymnastics that had to be done here, so... As you look at a normal skin the roll joints with, it, while it's hanging out in a pack and in a box with its mates, um, 
the gun line is pointing away from you, safely protected from the elements, and uh, like exactly where it would logically be to roll up into a cone shape and stick to itself. So with these guys, they're the gun lines out facing you where your thumbs go while you're rolling, and it's just so off-putting and weird after all this time, like to be learning something new. Like we have to teach this old dog new tricks now. Blow the fuck out of me. Um, but honestly, I'm talking about it angrily now because my experience was not good. But at this exact time, I was bringing like a lot of positivity to it. I was excited about using like learning a back row. But it's just so counterintuitive, and you have to lick it through itself. So it's like, how do I know for sure that it's stuck? And the uh, first two complete disaster. Couldn't get it at all. Don't know what the hell I was doing. Real frustrated then on my birthday. It's like fucking hell. Now I've been sitting rolling for 30 minutes and I've got literally nothing to show for it. Um, I probably should have loaded the pipe up at that stage, but um, I'm not quite sure what the answer was. Uh, But then, check it out. Fucking Big Boss Bob Marley here goes out and has fucking five, six drinks, including two coffee cocktails. So I am off the fucking Richter. That is a full week's drinking for me these days in one sitting. Like, I just was going off it for a long stage last year. It's just, you know, I'm just not fucking MVP of putting away soup anymore. You know, it was for a while, but I'm not now, so it's all good. I have my time. Someone else has to wear the crown. At least he would. <laughs> Marlo, the wire. Look it up. Um, where was I? Yeah, so keep home full drunk and perfectly executed back roll. So the, I think the reason that you back roll is so you can cut off a bunch of the excess paper. Um... So when it's rolled before you cut it off, it has like a whole flap, like a whole rest of the skin is still there. And it just be hanging down off that. The joint is on the end and you just have a small piece of flat paper in your hand. So next morning I get up and I'm like, right, buzzing, back rolled king of British Columbia, ready to start my fucking new life as a back roller. Getting all the hipster points on Reddit, no doubt, which I have since actually gone and done. A lot of people complimented my back roll. Um, but wait here. So, got up that morning, rolled a back roll, and nailed it. So, this is two in a row now, people. So, first two, complete mishap, disasters, disgrace, unsmokables. Which is, like, the worst thing that can happen when you're rolling a joint. Like, so, um... Got this perfect back roll beauty sitting in front of me. Skinny, not a lot of paper, just like ergonomic, the way back rolls are. Took it to took it to the back smoking deck and was like, right, I cut the flap off last night with a pair of scissors. I'll do what's obviously supposed to be done with these things that I've seen people do, I'm pretty sure. Or I had seen people do when I looked up videos on how to do it the day before. Um, setting fire to the flap and uh, letting that go up and like light the tip of the jet and it just smokes from there perfectly, beautifully. So of course I go to do it and it torches the whole fucking joint. It's like it sets the gum on fire. It just splits at a seam and everything just hits the deck. Not a drop is consumed. So I'm like, right, okay, don't know about this. Like, so I've already spent the night before then at this stage so after I execute one well, cut it, smoke it perfectly, I get in from that, and I had taken a picture of it, 
And so I send that to absolutely everybody with BRB becoming backroll king of British Columbia by name legally or whatever I be talking about. Like, you know me. Then this thing's fucking falling apart in my hands the next morning. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. I was videoing it too. Oh my God. I forgot to even mention that. I was fucking videoing it too for Instagram. I was going to send it to people. Like, not public, but, you know, maybe on close friends story. So there I was with a fucking joint burning up, falling to the floor. Right in front of my eyes on video, and I was like, "Fucking Jesus, this is a bad hangover." Like, so stowed the back rolling for a day, and then I was like buzzing about the house yesterday morning. So yes, I fucking don't know what day it is ever. But anyway, maybe I gave it a wide berth for a few days then, and uh, I was waiting on a phone call from one of my mates who was smoking yesterday, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'll roll one of these weapons here." And I'll have it for the call, and I'll talk him through this whole saga of fucking, like, having to learn something, not being able to do it, getting mad, fucking breaking down in tears, the whole lot. So again, I've pulled it off perfectly the last two times I've tried at this point. But one was unsmokable. Because I flamed it. And, you know, I'm like, right, what lessons have I learned here? So, flipped it perfectly, was sitting there, looked good, flap hanging out of it, show us your flap. So I'm like, pretty fucking pleased with myself, I'm like, maybe I have a, maybe I have a few hits of this before he calls, like, shout out Phil. And, um, picked it up with a flap. Thing wasn't stuck properly, weed everywhere, falling in front of my eyes, again, to the floor. And I'm like, Jesus Christ almighty, I'm gonna box the ears of fucking Reddit, selling me down a fucking garden path. Oh, raw blacks are class, so they are, you should get them raw blacks, you shut up. Shut up, fucking inside out, upside down, useless, don't stick, what's the point? Fucking piss me off. So, I invite you guys to challenge yourself to learn the back roll. It's possible. But all I can say to you is, if you're going to flame them, be prepared for fucking disappointment. Get a good pair of scissors. Don't be a hero. This has been a public service announcement by Punkadelic Podcast. A PPPSA. Piss me off. 36 minutes, Christ almighty. Right, what was this episode even supposed to be about? You know, I really don't like it when people um, self-label rants. They're like, oh, I go on rants or I be ranting. But like, I don't know, I think what I just did counts. That's all I'm going to say. Just that one. I don't, like, not all the time, certainly. But that might fucking count right there. Um, So this is what I meant to start the show with. This is a screen grab from Facebook, boys and girls. And I just didn't feel like it was appropriate to keep for Walloper Watch because this is fucking legendary. This is like Legend Watch. (laughs) Um, So the, the status is, what's the worst thing that's happened during sex? Here's mine. So I was choking on some dick. I'm the romantic type. And he was holding my face all the way down because I'm nasty like that. Yeah, girlfriend, yeah, you are. That I kept trying to pull off, but he was like, I'm coming. But this fool didn't know I had a sneeze like right now. So he comes 
and I sneeze simultaneously and out of my nose shoots his load back onto him like I'm some fucking sperm dragon and I almost bit his dick off. That is a modern day love story there and then. That's what it is in 2023. Okay, I wanted to share with you guys my very favorite video of last year. The audio will suffice for you, don't worry. Oh yeah, this is what I texted my friends that Saturday night. I will now be answering to both Donal and Backroll King of British Columbia. <laughs> Fucking stupid. Okay, you guys ready for this? <gasps> Snoop Dogg Dad 51. Don't say that! I swear to God! Oh, Romeo's only playing him with your way the other night! Oh my God, I can't believe it! Are you fucking serious? Yeah, he's after getting shot. He's after getting shot? Yeah. Oh my God, get the news on. You fucking cunt. That's not fucking funny. You fucking stupid bitch. That's not funny. Dude, it's so good. Like, I mean, why would a woman, like, so the woman, the mum that comes in to, from the kitchen, like, you'll hear she's further away and she comes in when the daughter tells her Snoop Dogg's dead. But, like, she's fucking freaking out. Like, it's not like the 90s, you know. It's like if Snoop Dogg was dead, it'd be like, all right, but obviously this one's just, the caption that comes with this TikTok is when Snoop Dogg is life. <laughs> but for me, like, I mean, the rawness of the Dublin accents is incredible. I mean, that is just proper old school right there. But also, how fast this girl's own mother turns on her and calls her a cunt, a stupid bitch. <laughs> let's, let's hear it again. Hang on. Snoop Dogg Dad 51. Don't say that. I swear to God. Oh my god, I can't believe it. Are you fucking serious? Yeah, he's after getting shot. He's after getting shot? Yeah. Oh my god, get the news on. You fucking cunt! That's not fucking funny! You fucking stupid bitch! That's not funny! So good. The giggles of the daughter are so infectious. It's just when she loses it, she's in the mask, like, get the news on. It's such an Irish mad thing to do. Right, hold on. I'll narrate it so you can get what's going on in it here for one go. Alright, it's Christmas. Ma's in the kitchen. She comes running in. Oh my god, I can't believe it. Are you fucking serious? Yeah, he's after getting shot. He's after getting shot? Yeah. Oh my god, get the news on. Now she's fucking about with the remote. Daughter loses you fucking it. You cunt! That's not fucking funny! You fucking stupid bitch! That's not funny! The dog is absolutely traumatised too. He comes 
belting out of the kitchen to see what's wrong once the mask starts hitting the roof. Oh, fuck. It's just fully my favourite video that I saw last year. I, like, including, you know, up to and including Avatar 2. That was probably this year, but, like, you know what I mean? Including, up to and including every everything everywhere all at once. Even though it's a significantly lower budget, but, like, you fucking, no, you fucking cunt, you fucking stupid bitch, that's not fucking funny, that's not funny, like, the Maz outburst is just outrageously good. Snoop Dogg Dad 51. How the daughter sells that line is fucking gold, too, is she trying to be an actress or what, like, listen to this. <laughs> Everything about it's so perfect. It's just the perfect video, people. Back to the start here. I appreciate the girl's delivery here because she cracks in less than 15 seconds after saying this. Like She is obviously exploding on the inside. So, mad respect to this girl for getting this, this right. Snoop Dogg Dad 51. Don't say that. I swear to God. Oh, Romeo's only playing him with your way the other night. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. Are you fucking serious? Yeah, he's after getting shot. He's after getting shot? Yeah. Oh, my God. Get the news on. <laughs> you fucking cunt. That's not fucking funny. You fucking stupid bitch. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> the venom in your fucking stupid bitch. That's not fucking funny. You fucking stupid bitch. That's not fucking funny. You fucking stupid bitch. You fucking cunt. The news on. You fucking cunt. <laughs> Fucking God, Punkadella Files. I have I have been bursting at that more or less every single time I see it. And like sometimes I just go out the back and I'm just watch it on a loop. My girlfriend is fully sick of it, doesn't understand, but I just I love it so much. Ah <sighs> fuck. Oh my god, Snoop Dogg dead. Don't say that. <laughs> What am I looking for? Alright, I need to go on to Instagram and find this one. Fuck, where would I get that? But anyway, a possible potential runner-up for next like next favourite video from last year. I'm trying to find for you guys right now. Oh, hell yeah. I thought I was never going to find this. Okay, there's just something about how the stank is on the last line of this video. I just think it's brilliant. Come on, you old cunt. We're going on an adventure. It's a dog. How about get fucked, mate? How about me? you're a wanker? Come on, you old cunt. We're going on an adventure. How about get fucked, mate? How about you're a wanker? Come so it's a video where it's a dog waking up a human. So the first thing you hear is the dog. Then you hear the human. Then you hear the dog again. So I just, the last, the dog's last line just gets me. Come on, you old cunt. We're going on an adventure. How about get fucked, mate? How about you're a wanker? 
Come on, you old cunt. We're going on an adventure. How about get fucked, mate? How about you're a wanker? <laughs> I just, I love that. He's just like the dog's like fully ready up in this guy's face first thing in the morning being like it's six it's like i think it says it's 6 a.m somewhere in a caption and it's just like, the dog's just like come on you old cunt we're going on an adventure <laughs> hey, you fuck. the boy couldn't just be any less into it and then before he's even finished speaking like the lines overlap and just how about you're a wanker <laughs> class so Aside from me being a simpleton for like a long time now, there was stuff to get to on this episode. Uh, I'm sort of loath to actually do it now because I've been sitting here for the guts of an hour and I've got stuff to do today. Um, what to do, what to do, what to do. Okay, here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to call that part one. I'm going to get up. I'm going to hit another one of these pipes and eat breakfast and then come back and I'll record part two which will be my random bits and pieces, my grab bag the crack what I'm interested in at the minute etc, what I've been nerdy about included in that now will be my best TV show recommendation since I've started this podcast well, maybe, that's, maybe that's hyperbole but damn I've got a good show to talk about with you guys um, amazing news for nineties kids. We are talking. We're gonna we're gonna find out what's going on with the new Zack Snyder movie. There's a bunch of details and set photos and there's shit out there, but I haven't looked at dot one of it yet. So we're gonna fucking do that together, Punkatella files. Are you fucking buzzing? We're gonna talk through me and my. New Stephen King first editions. Your boy just started collecting King last year or the year before, so extremely excited about this development. It's a good story. It's worth telling properly. We're talking about the Smashing Pumpkins new album, and then it will be Walloper Watch, and at that point, this episode's going to be very long, and nobody's going to listen to it. Right, well, I'm going to record it all, and I'll work out what to do after and if it's long and nobody listens to it then i guess it'll just be like every other episode of this podcast then won't it everybody yeah that's what i thought all right so um yeah i'm starving i think the mic's probably picking up the fucking noises my stomach's making so gotta go have some uh cinnamon infused chia porridge that's i mean that doesn't sound that good but that's pretty good so um yeah i'm not fucking about with powders here not like I used to anyway but I mean I made it overnight oats style and I didn't use cinnamon powder I put the sticks just clean in it and just let them infuse for a couple of days like I honestly left it for two overnights and it's been pretty banging or it was yesterday anyway now that I've said that I'm sure it'll be absolutely bouncing today but you get what I'm talking about you know we don't talk about nutrition a whole lot in this podcast so give me the old 30 seconds will you fuck off I'll see you never Welcome back to the show. Here is a great Facebook status. I believe women should be able to get an abortion if she wants it, but I also believe fetal tissue should not be sold by the abortion supplier. Fetal kidney sales are used as a flavor enhancer in various national brands like Pepsi, Nestle, orange juice, etc. Orange juice is not a brand, honey. Also, 
in the famous COVID-19 vaccine, that is disgusting. All right, I think you mean the infamous COVID vaccine, but you don't know that. What's going on, Punkadelophiles? Like SEDC, Eminem, and Amy Winehouse before me, I am back in black. Yes, actually, technically today. Um, so what the hell is happening? That was a whole hell of a lot in the first part of that show, but like, it's very rare that I turn the recorder on and then talk without looking at the notes or like have a structure worked out in advance and look down on 35 minutes of past like so i think we might be i think we might be growing as a podcaster and an audience because as i grow you grow right now this is what it is there's a show on netflix that y'all need to be hearing about there's reality TV. Well, is it reality? Is it a documentary? I don't really know what the buzzword for this type of genre is. But it's a show that I would describe as in the sort of genre wheelhouse ballpark of your ice road truckers, your axemen, your deepest catch, the one about the fishing boat. This show is called Pirate Gold of Edak Island. And no, I never heard of Adak Island before this either. So, what it is, is it's a part of the Aleutian Island chain. So, if you imagine where the Bering Strait was that used to link Russia and Alaska, like way back in the day, like before you and me were born, like way back, Ice Age times, the land bridge that they think people used to get from, like, didn't they find... DNA that belonged to either Australian Aboriginals or New Zealand Maoris. Please excuse me if either of those aren't the accepted terms these days. Uh, but those indigenous tribes, uh, nations, bands there moved up through, you know, the Philippines, Japan, China, Russia, across and into the Americas. Or so the theory goes. Hashtag Graham Hancock. Hashtag Ancient Apocalypse. Shout out. So if you think of that, like, swoop of land in... That would have been the Bering Strait. I don't know if you know this, but there's an island chain there, like a broken island chain, and they're called the Aleutian Islands. And one of the largest islands there, and the only one I think that still has a human population, is Edak. So, in about 1850, or actually I think it's closer to 1895, but don't quote me on that. And also what I'm going to tell you about this show here is basically the opening credits. I'm not going to do too many spoilers for it. It's immensely worth watching. It just captured my imagination so much. I was just like, fuck yes, this is what I want to be hearing about. So, in about 18 whenever it was, our man, our man, Dwarkstoff, right? He is a, a pirate slash seal fur poacher. So he's running about killing seals and not paying no tax to neither Americans nor Russians nor nobody. So he's one of the top dogs at this of his day, his contemporaries. Like he is King Dick Seal Trapper. Eventually, one day they're scooting about the Aleutian Islands, including Edak, etc. And... All of a sudden, boom, it's the branch. Five or six fucking American boats, all in range, all coming closer and closer in the cannon fire range. Dwarkstoff and the crew. Dwarkstoff's not even like the leader of this whole entire crew. He is like one of the most notorious boys. I mean, he's part of a wider crew. It's a it's like a loose federation 
of Sealford Poachers. So, this by John Q. Law coming over the horizon, drawing down, turning around, getting ready to go in the fucking cannon firing mode, big boat battle, master and commander type shit. And snap decision, call an audible, everyone's like, right, get the fucking gold on the Dwarkstaff's boat. Dwarkstaff's got the nippiest boat, we all know that. So, Dwarkstaff takes off. He, as I say, he's got the nippiest boat, the fastest boat, like, and he's cruising, and he parks her at Adak Island, gets out, and buries what is today's equivalent of 365 million US in gold coins spread across 150 lead cans. On his escape, he shipwrecked and was captured by the authorities. We never gave up the location of the treasure. Never. Over the years, two of the cans have been found. One was found, uh, I think, by... So, given where that island is, in World War II it became of immense strategic importance to America. And they had a base there pretty much constantly until uh, 1993. And the reason that I remember exactly the date that the base closed there is because when you look up, when you Google photos of Edak Island, which I had to do because it's so like raw and ruggedly beautiful, it's like if anybody from back home in Ireland ever did Ackle Island, that's what it gives me the vibes of, but it's even more unforgiving and harsh and lonely and isolated and therefore scary in its own way. Um, there's tons of natural things to be wary of on Adak Island, like tundra pits, and it's frozen nine months of the year, so it's the hardest place ever to be digging for treasure on. So our guys have a lot of work to do here. And um yeah, so the found two of the cans so far, so the no like there's so much of the story is proven by history and backed up by official accounts that they're relatively certain. So the mayor of the town, um oh did I get round to that? How you know it's nineteen eighty three? is because the McDonald's in Adak still has the original Jurassic Park posters up. And you can look at those photos. It's fucked up. It's like crazy. Just like a place stopped in time. There's like dozens of houses in the States all just all turning into shells of houses as the wind batters them. It's like just kind of weird. And there's other things that have happened on the island over years that you learn about in the show. And it's just really, really cool. And it's like a real life tale of people who now have like ground penetrating radar and like all this equipment and whatnot and they're going looking for pirate gold and it's just i don't know i mean a lot of it isn't great tv from the perspective of like a lot of it is okay well now we're digging in this hole and yesterday we were digging in that hole and yesterday we were really hoping that there'd be 365 million dollars us worth of gold coins across 150 lead cans in there but maybe that's not where dog stuff hid the treasure so today we're hoping to find 365 million dollars us spread across 150 gold coins that dog stuff left off you know and it's just like there's a sort of uh, there's an amount of repetition but like I challenge you to not be titillated by this show, particularly when every single episode ends with a, like an absolute clangor of a cliffhanger. It's just like, you know, somebody will put a fucking spade into a hole and it'll be like, ting, and then it'll be like, end credits music, like, and you're like, 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 Donald, fucking use less words, use less of your words, be more of a cunt. Jesus Christ. I'm getting ahead of myself, probably. 
I'm probably veering in the territory where I start spoiling things, but safe to say, extremely enjoyable show. It's got a good arc, and we're probably going to get a season two of it next year, but it's like, when the fuck is that even going to come out? Because they have to wait and go back there, and like there's a whole bunch of shit going on. As I say, the ground is frozen nine months out of the year. Everyone's volunteering for this mission too. There's like a scientist. There's two local boys that used to live on the base. The town mayor is a former military bomb disposal expert. So that's real handy because the entire island was literally used as munitions disposal site. Like on track munitions disposal. So all across the years, um, the Yanks were just dumping bombs and letting them expire and go off whenever all over this island. So I'd say anytime anybody swings a shovel, it's like, ting, all right, well, we need to wait six weeks for the ground penetrating radar results to come back. So there is that kind of frustrating element of watching it. But when there are the, when there are the, when they do uncover clues to where the gold is, it's always like, oh my God, they're going to get it. So watch the show. Let me know what you think of it. Let me know if you don't think that's the best show that I've recommended on this show. Okay, yeah, I wanted to have a quick Google about the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers reunion because, you know, only 90s kids will remember, but, like, Power Rangers was fucking huge for me. I regularly try and buy, um... Try and find the original the uh, Dinosaur, you know, all five parts combined into the one because I love to get, like, I know there's cheaper... Uh, probably debatably better new alternatives, but I don't want some fucking fancy new one with better stickers and all. Like, I want fucking the old one in the box that I remember looking at in Toy Master all the time, the green with the lightning and, uh, and all that branding that was on Power Rangers toys. And, uh, you know, I mean, I just never had it as a kid, so I've always thought I'd like to buy it. That and Thunderbirds, Tracy Island, Thunderbirds. Um, to classic all time classic toys great fucking yeah so just wouldn't even mind having them hanging about the house now uh, Tracy Island might be nice wonder, could you build a water feature into that anyway now I'm rambling where was it oh yeah so Power Rangers was huge for me like uh, when you get the the original Dragon Sword though excuse me the original Dino Sword then combined with the Green Rangers Dragon Sword and then there was also, I'm not sh- quite sure, uh, then Titanus was on the scene. And they all combined together into one big, like, fucking cart sledge thing that would be getting pulled along, I think. Yeah, Bonkos. Bonkos, cuckoo bananas, as they'd say on All You Garbage. But, great toy. Debatably a good show, but occupies a space in these kids' memory that's pretty hard to dislodge. Had the movie and everything. It was the first movie I ever saw at the cinema, I'm fairly certain. Ivan Ooze, hello, Balkan Skull. Okay, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. All on Canadian Netflix. Beauty. Power Rangers stars reunite for 30th anniversary special on Netflix. Okay, right, so it's like going to be like um, a retrospective. Several members of the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers cast are reuniting for a scripted Netflix special in honour of the show's 30th anniversary. Aptly titled Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Once and Always, the special will feature original Black Ranger Zack Walter Emmanuel Jones, original Blue Ranger Billy uh, David Yost, alongside Season 2 stars Steve Cardenas, who was the second Red, Red Ranger Rocky, yes, we remember, Karen Ashley, second Yellow Ranger Aisha, yup, 
And Johnny Young Bosch, second Black Ranger Adam. Okay, Chinese dude, got it. Plus season three's Catherine Sutherland, second Pink Ranger Cat. No, not into that. Who the fuck's Cat? No, Kimberly. Suck me off then. Not interested. Uh, our Ranger family runs deep. As the longest running original Ranger, Yost called his reunion with his fellow castmates amazing. We went through the audition process together and launched the Power Rangers franchise, Yost recalled. It was such a surreal experience to be on the set of Power Rangers again after 28 years. The special will also feature Barbara Goodson and Richard Horvitz, whose voice vil who voice villain Rita Repulsa and the Power Rangers robotic assistant Alpha Five, respectively. New cast members include Charlie Kirsch as Min, the daughter of the original Yellow Ranger Trini. Uh, the actress that played Trini died in a car accident at 27. Oh my god, didn't need to know that. Thank you. In the special, viewers will see the Rangers come face to face with a familiar threat from the past. In the midst of a global crisis, they are called on once again to be the heroes the world needs. Inspired by the legendary mantra from the franchise, once a Ranger, always a Ranger, once and always reminds everyone when you become a Ranger, you are always a part of the Ranger family and always welcome, according to EW. Okay, so I'm going to be fucking watching that bawling probably because you're telling me Trini's dead, Jason David Frank, the fucking White Ranger, just died last year in... Oh, God, did he commit suicide? I'm sorry, trigger warning. That's a bummer. But, hey, you know what? I am fucking buzzing that it's like a scripted and not like them sitting down being like telling all the fuck and all the dirty laundry because as we talked about on this podcast before, there is actually a ton of dirty laundry in the fucking Power Rangers house. Um, yeah, so Pirate Gold of Edak Island, get on it, Power Rangers reunion. Oh, did that tell me when that was coming out? Let's just have a quick check. Amy Jo Johnson declined Power Rangers return due to low pay. Alright, cool. April 19th on Netflix, so almost 4.20. Maybe you want to wait till the day after and celebrate properly by reclaiming a slice of your childhood. Truly indulging your inner child. Um, maybe I'll have a dinosaur by then. Maybe a dragon sword. Maybe a green ranger flute. Don't know, maybe be nice to have a Power Rangers trinket around here. As I say, just indulge the inner child every so often. Okay, well, one of my very favorite things from my childhood that carried on into being an adult was obviously Star Wars, if you've ever listened to this podcast. And uh, that was heavily influenced by getting toys early also, which, you know, Power Rangers I'm huge on because I had uh, a couple of the ones with the spinning heads that morphed. And then I had the Power Rangers White Sword Saba, which was like the shit and I got it the Christmas it was the shit so it was like damn not I'm the shit I'm the White Ranger um yeah I was a little nerd I like the White Ranger and Luke Skywalker like I didn't become a darkened heavy metal goth until a lot later like so what it is is that my inner child always loves Star Wars my outer adult loves Zack Snyder movies and Zack Snyder's new movie is going to hit Netflix, if not the very end of this year, the very start of next year, um, and it's called Rebel Moon, and it's a sci-fi space opera, I think is the going term, and about uh, a planet that goes to seek help from other planets, or possibly a moon, Rebel Moon, Donald, catch up, keep up, um... Sophia Butella is in the lead role, the girl from Prisoners of the Ghostland, which is a hella hipster reference. You know I love to make them. Sion Sino, one of Japan's most polarizing directors. I'm trying, there's one of his movies, uh, The Harder You Kill or something. I'm 
almost bought in a store in Vancouver recently, but I uh, wound up treating myself to Bong Joon Ho's The Host on Blu-ray, so that was a little birthday present to myself, got that to go. Now I forget what I'm talking about, oh god, that is such a danger today. Um, Rebel Moon, yes, there we go, hopefully you enjoyed that fan further. Um, so I'm just going to Google Rebel Moon, or actually I'm going to Google Table Moon because I'm a fucking fat-fingered spastic. A Rebel Moon 2023 film. Would you be interested in watching? Oh, sorry, I just got a message from my girlfriend and started reading it out. Um, that's kind of interesting to me. Let me have a look. Okay, what the hell do we know about this movie? When a colony on the edge of the galaxy finds itself threatened by the armies of the tyrannical regent Balasaurus, they dispatch a young woman with a mysterious past to seek out warriors from neighbouring planets to help them take a stand. So, so far so sci-fi fantasy, you know. The Fellowship of the Moons. Uh, initial re release December 22, 2023. So, okay. Nice one. Uh, directed by Zack Snyder. Cinematography by Zack Snyder. So, okay, so see him as Army of the Dead. He's doing his own cinematography. Cool. Music composed by Junkie XL. Like, completely by himself. No Hans Zimmer handoff this time. Nice. Like to see Junkie XL coming into his own. Think his music's pretty much resoundingly great anytime I hear it in movies. Obviously, it was a collab, a collabo with Hans Zimmer. So Batman Superman kind of has that Hans Zimmer lift. Of course, how could it not? But that's a really good soundtrack for a a movie that didn't hit everybody just right. And also, I was huge into what he did. Maybe even more so into what he did on Justice League. And I'm dying for him to get a Star Wars project. Or maybe uh, score a Chris Nolan movie. Doubt that's going to happen with Oppenheimer because Junk EXL is obviously more, more modern, more hip. He's also like JXL from Elvis versus JXL back in the day. A little less conversation. So classic, classic music antidotes with Big D. This is what you tune in for. Come on, people. But has this been the best podcast of this year so far? I think so. I haven't heard anything fucking better on Rogan anyway. That's for damn sure. Hiya! Taking fucking shots. No one is safe. How would I find out more about this? IMDB, would that tell me anything about it? Okay. Don't really have a lot to say that will be meaningful for you guys about these photos, other than they're all pretty cool. It looks like big budget sci-fi. And I believe I also read that that movie's going to be in two parts. So that's pretty cool. Um, You know, everyone's like, this generation doesn't have a... Uh, this generation doesn't have an attention span, but like, you know, I'll knock out two episodes of House of the Dragon in one night sometimes. That day there recently I had where I got stoned and watched Avatar 1 in the house, went to the cinema to talk a gram of mushrooms and some edibles and watched Avatar 2, came home, ate the rest of the, ate the mushrooms and watched Dune. Like, Okay, I had chemical help, but, like, that was a great day, and I love it, and I'm here for it, and, you know, I love the four-hour Justice League. Anyway, I, I just have a thing about long things, I'm into prog rock, I don't, I don't know. I think I'm simple, and I conflate long with epic. So, that might be it. Oh, speaking of which, when you hear that most recent uh, Machine Head album, you're just like, oh, well, they confuse Epic with Long. So, they don't know what they're doing. 
stink. They're one of those bands I can't believe they have so much critical acclaim behind. Anyway, don't get me started. I'm just not a fan. Alrighty, so this is going to be fun for me. Let me see. Alrighty, so as I mentioned earlier, I've been collecting Stephen King books for a while. And I got hardcore into thrift shopping for books in the last while. And like that has been the hobby. Not even so much reading them, but like I just love shopping for them and finding bargains and whatnot. So that's how I've been amassing my Stephen King collection. Second hand and uh, pass me downs and this, that and the other. Finding them in local libraries and thrift shops and like, or, you know, the take a book, leave a books, I think even got one in there. So just getting this ragtag collection of like worn out old paperbacks with yellow pages and like fucking scoffed up white marks all around the, you know, those Stephen King books are supposed to like they started out as jet black. And so like all the creases in the spine are all bright white and all. It's just like, it's just like, like a one of those perfect aesthetic experiences reading like an old horror book and it's like got old pages that feel a little bit brittle and you're kind of scared in case it breaks and like maybe dusty and there might be somebody's name inside the front cover and the date that they got it and you're like wow it's 40 years from then so anyway that's just like one of those things you know there's something about like an old book right isn't there but yeah that's what the point being is that i've amassed this ragtag collection i bought two brand new i bought myself misery and i bought the second or third Dark Tower book, uh, which I'm yet to get into, but I understand the thing with King is that you need to read like a lot of different King, and then you can sort of start to look into how it all ties together. And the Dark Tower series, uh, it feels like when they move through that landscape, there's like maybe portals in the different Stephen King's world or places in the singular Stephen King world. I'm really not too sure about the nature of that theory because I, I'm not well read up read enough on him yet i think i've maybe read 10 or 12 kings now at this point uh i'm not quite certain i'm too high to do a proper list of them right now but you know misery the gunslinger the stand the dark half loved it apt pupil loved it eyes of the dragon loved it anyway not the point i've read a bunch i've loved it and um i never used to like horror i mention this all the time i get into horror at like 27 28 uh, and I think reading it is really one of the most potent forms. Well, listening to audio horror is pretty good. So on that note, I'll just briefly re-mention that there's a great Stephen King audio horror book. Um, but it's a podcast, so like it's free. You don't have to buy it. Uh, and you go to your podcast app and search for Strawberry Spring. Fabulous read. So where all this is going is just that I have amassed a ragtag collection that I've picked up out of all sorts of thrift shops and whatnot. I don't think I've paid more than $12 for one so far. So then I picked up three in a really old, out-of-the-way Christian thrift store in Abbotsford, which is like a way out-of-the-way part of... It's not part of Vancouver. It's a completely different place. It's way out of town. It's like a village. It's much more rural. It's a bit crazier, a bit methier. I bought them out of Stephen King books. They had four King books, I think, on the rack, and I bought them all, took them home, and for whatever reason, I just was like... Let me look into this here because, like, they're old. They're all large format hardbacks. Okay, I got Four Past Midnight. I got Needful Things. And I also got 112263, the one about JFK. And interestingly, or interesting to me, 
maybe you don't give a fuck about this, but they turned out to be all first editions, and most of them are in pretty good nick. So I don't want to co- like collect these or like sell these or anything. They're only worth in a region of ten to fifteen dollars each. I looked it up, but that that's US. You know, that's like twenty bucks for me. Um, but also like there's some writing in some of them, and they're not just perfect. But uh, I just think it's super cool, you know, because I only started collecting them last year and I never bought, like, I've had the opportunity to buy these hardback editions before, but I never really considered it because I like a, a really like a, a paperback that I can throw in my back pocket, you know. Um, but I bought these because they were going so cheap. I think they were $3 each, like, which is crazy. So for them, they'd be worth 15 US if I did sell them. I'd be straight profit to me. But um, no, I'm just, I, once I realized that they were first editions, like, oh, that's kind of cool as someone that enjoys books and reading so um there was that and then on my birthday as part of the day of fun which i was sort of mentioning earlier i was like well i like to go and have a look for a few more um maybe king first edition see what i can get my hands on just uh i wasn't expecting a whole lot but lo and behold i managed to get the brand new one furry tail which is i mean brand new it came out last year um for 12 dollars. doesn't have a dust jacket which does does mark it down because i'm sitting with it here on my bed and like all the other covers are all cool and old and this one's just not holding its weight plain and blue yeah there's no like synopsis on it the synopsis is always on the dust cover so that's a shame but let's have a look into the synopsis for fairy tale and we'll read out the blurbs for all these books in case you might ever want to read them because uh, oh sorry the other one i got there then is the talisman which i wanted for a while and i had my hand on one day last year in uh the bookman chilliwack british columbia and didn't buy it just that day i was like i'm gonna make decisions and i'm gonna come back and i was excited about the talisman because it was somebody was reading it in the most recent like somebody had it in their hand in the most recent season of stranger things and when you look at these older first editions that i have here you can see the font and it's just like yeah, I bet they didn't know what to call that show. And it was just like, we need to work out something that'll fit in this format where it's like, you know, King fits into the teeth part and the S and the N come down. So, like, it's exactly the same font and format that Stranger Things did. So I'm just wondering, did they look at the font and work backwards um, just for that extra bit of recognition, which is like a little nerdy detail. And um, I have no idea what it's about. We'll find out in a minute. I'm going to look up, start with Fairy Tale, and we'll work backwards chronologically. But the point being that the day that I had it in my hand to buy, uh, that night, Peter Straub, the co-author, died, who's an Englishman who uh, him and Stephen King co-wrote a couple of things. And um, so I've never read anything by him. I've read one thing, I think, that they co-wrote. I think that was the short story, Crouch End, had Peter Straub involved. And uh, so, yeah, that's it. You know, I'm not like, disappearing up my own arse being like oh i only read first editions now but it's like you know i found three in a thrift store and i got a bargain on them and i went looking for something nice to treat myself on my birthday and it turned out the king first editions were on my mind so that's what it was you know and it was also japanese barbecue and a new pipe and edibles and uh that bong Joon bong Joon ho blu-ray but all worth it a little bit of retail therapy very good for me i had a lot of fun um, and just, you know, being in those old old school bookstores like Pulp Fiction Books and McLeod Books, Vancouver. Excellent experiences, both extremely different. Recommend both. Re- couldn't recommend them enough. So uh, let's get on with the show here and talking about what these books are about in case, you know, you ever feel like reading one. Fairy Tale is a dark fantasy novel by American author Stephen King, published on September... Oh, this is so dry. I bet his own blurb for it is so fun. 
Uh, he writes a good fucking blurb. I wonder what the um, the back cover be on Amazon here. Let's see. All right, here we go. I'm sure I can tell this story. I'm also sure no one will believe it. That's fine with me. Telling it will be enough. My problem, and I'm sure many writers have it, just not newbies like me, is deciding where to start. My first thought was with the shed, because that's where my adventures really began. But then I realised I would have to tell about Mr. Bowditch first, and how we became close. Only that never would have happened except for the miracle that happened to my father. A very ordinary miracle, you could say. One that's happened to many thousands of men and women since 1935, but it seemed like a miracle to a kid. Only that isn't the right place either, because I don't think my father would have needed a miracle if it hadn't been for that goddamn bridge. So that's where I need to start, with the goddamn Sycamore Street Bridge. And now, thinking of those things, I see a clear thread leading up through the years to Mr. Bowditch and the padlocked shed behind his ramshackle old Victorian. But a thread is easy to break. So not a thread, but a chain. A strong one. And I was the kid with the shackle clamped around his wrist. Charlie Reed. Interesting. So it's another King fantasy. I think it's the first fantasy he's written since Eyes of the Dragon. And, uh, oh, somebody left their bookmark in here. Oh, that's my receipt. All right. I thought I was getting a free bookmark there. Okay, so 11-22-63, a novel. On November 22, 1963, three shots rang out in Dallas. President Kennedy died and the world changed. What if you could change it back? In this brilliantly conceived tour de force, Stephen King, who has absorbed the social, political and popular culture of his generation more imaginatively and thoroughly than any other writer, takes readers on an incredible journey into the past and the possibility of altering it. It begins with Jake Epping, a 35-year-old English teacher in Lisbon Falls, Maine, who makes extra money teaching GED classes. He asks his students to write about an event that changed their lives, and one essay blows him away. A gruesome, harrowing story about the night more than 50 years ago when Harry Dunning's father came home and killed his mother, his sister, and his brother with a sledgehammer. Reading the essay is a watershed moment for Jake. His life, like Harry's, like America's in 1963, turning on a dime. Not much later, his friend Al, who owns the local diner, divulges a secret. His storeroom is a portal to the past, a particular day in 1958 and Al enlists Jake to take over the mission that has become his obsession, to prevent the Kennedy assassination. So begins Jake's new life as George Amberson, in a different world of Ike and JFK and Elvis, of big American cars and sock hops and cigarette smoke everywhere, from the dank little city of Derry, Maine, where there's dunning business to conduct, to the warm-hearted small town of Jody, Texas, where Jake falls dangerously in love, Every turn is leading eventually, of course, to a troubled loner named Lee Harvey Oswald and to Dallas, where the past becomes heart-stoppingly suspenseful, suspenseful, and where history might not be history anymore. Time travel has never been so believable or so terrifying. 
And so it's kind of cool on the back cover here. It's got a Daily News Extra, like a newspaper headline. JFK escapes assassination. First Lady also okay. Panic strikes during drive through Dallas. Story on page three. Americans breathe sigh of relief is the sub-headline then. So cool. That one's meant to be so good. Real excited about that. Okay, next up we got Needful Things, the last Castle Rock story. With a demonic blend of malice and affection, Stephen King says goodbye to the town he put on the map, Castle Rock, Maine. Where Polly Chalmers runs you so-and-so, and Sheriff Alan Pangborn is in charge of keeping the peace. It's a small town, and Stephen King fans might think they know its secrets pretty well. They've been here before. Leland Gaunt is a stranger, and he calls his shop Needful Things. 11-year-old Brian Rusk is his first customer, and Brian finds just what he wants most in all the world. A 56 Sandy Koufax baseball card. By the end of the week, Mr Gaunt's business is fairly booming. And why not? At Needful Things, there's something for everyone. And of course, there is always a price. For Leland Gaunt, the pleasure of doing business lies chiefly in seeing how much people will pay for their most secret dreams and desires. And as Leland Gaunt always points out, at Needful Things, the prices are high indeed. Does that stop people from buying? Has it ever? For Alan and Polly, this one week in autumn will be an awful test. A test of will, desire and pain. Above all, it will be a test of their ability to grasp the true nature of their enemy. They may have a chance, but maybe not, because Mr. Gaunt knows. Almost everything is for sale. Love, hope, even the human soul. With the potent storytelling authority that millions of readers have come to prize, Stephen King delivers an Our Town with a Vengeance, an inevitable farewell to a place his fiction has often and long called home. Castle Rock, Maine has been the setting for several of Stephen King's most famous works, including The Dead Zone, Cujo, The Tommyknockers, The Dark Half, and two novellas, The Body, which was made into the movie Stand By Me, and The Sundog. Mr. King lives in Bangor, Maine, with his wife, Tabitha. There you go. And then one of those Castle Rock stories is in this next uh, book. This collection is called Four Past Midnight, and it's four different novellas. And somebody got this book for Christmas 1990, looking at the uh, name and date in the front cover. Past Midnight, Something Happens to Time. That fragile concept we employ to order our sense of reality. It bends, stretches, turns back or snaps. And sometimes reality snaps with it. What happens to the wide-eyed observer when the window between reality and unreality shatters and the glass begins to fly? These four chilling novellas, a feast fit for King fans old and new, provide some shocking answers. After all, past midnight is Stephen King's favourite time of the day. One past midnight. The Langoliers takes a red-eye flight from LA to Boston in a most unfriendly sky. Only 11 passengers survive, but landing in an eerily empty world makes them wish they hadn't. 
Something's waiting for them, you see. Two past midnight. Secret window, secret garden. Enters the suddenly strange life of writer Mort Rainey. Recently divorced, depressed, and alone on the shore of Tashmore Lake. Alone, that is, until a figure named John Shooter arrives, pointing an accusing finger. Three past midnight. The library policeman is set in Junction City, Iowa, an unlikely place for evil to be hiding. But for small businessman Sam Peebles, who thinks he may be losing his mind, another enemy is hiding there as well. The truth. If he can find it in time, he might stand a chance. Four past midnight. The flat surface of a Polaroid photograph becomes for 15-year-old Kevin Delavan an invitation to the supernatural. Old Pop Merrill, Castle Rock's sharpest traitor, wants to crash the party for profit. But the Sun Dog, a creature that shouldn't exist at all, is a very dangerous investment. With an introduction and prefatory notes to each of these tales, Stephen King discusses how these stories arose in what is the world's most fearsome imagination. But it is the stories themselves that will keep readers awake long after bedtime into those dark, timeless hours past midnight. And finally, now I haven't even looked at this since I bought it, so I'm super pumped to do this. Uh, Let's find out what the talisman is about. You got a job, Travelin' Jack, Speedy told him. A job that ain't gonna let you go, and that's the Lord's truth. I wish it was different. Jack Sawyer, 12 years old, is about to begin a most fantastic journey. An exalting, terrifying quest for the talisman. For only the talisman can save Jack's dying mother and defeat the enemy who is out to destroy them both. But to reach his goal... Jack must make his way not only across the breadth of the United States, but through the wondrous and menacing territories as well. The territories lie as firmly in the imagination as Atlantis or Oz. They are as real as every reader's own vision of that parallel world evoked in the mind's mysterious eye. In the territories, Jack finds a world little removed from the Earth's own dark ages. Though the air is so sweet and clear, a man can smell a radish being pulled from the ground a mile away. A life can be snuffed out instantly in the continuing struggle between good and evil. As Jack discovers, twinners, reflection of the people he knows on earth, most notably the dying Queen Laura, the twinner of Jack's own imperiled mother. But only a few can flip from one world to the other. Jack's late father could. The malevolent Morgan Sloat can, and so will Jack himself. As Jack makes his way westward towards the redemptive talisman, a dual array of heart-stopping encounters challenges him at every step. From a terrifying period when he's held captive in an Indiana home for wayward boys that is run by a sadistic religious fanatic, to sudden and murderous attacks by enemies of Queen Laura in the territories. Stephen King and Peter Straub have combined their talents to create an unforgettable epic of fantasy, adventure, and resounding triumph. Okay, and in case you're just that type of nerd, the works listed by Mr. 
Peter Straub and the back flap of this book are Ghost Story and Floating Dragons. So there you go. Hopefully you enjoyed that little ramble through some Stephen King stuff. He does write those blurbs like no other. Pretty good. Pretty good. Two Castle Rock stories. That's exciting. They just finished the dark half last year. Fabulous book. Okay. So now this part's been an hour too, and the first part was an hour, and I don't know if I took too many big gaps in here. It's not going to come down that much, so I think I'm going to have to love you and leave you guys, because after this length of time, like, my voice starts to go, I start fucking getting acid reflux. It's just like, it's not good. It's not going to be good. Um, we didn't have a whole lot less to do apart from Walloper Watch, which is starting to be a problem because I've got so many Wallopers held over from cutting it short that every so often, like I've got a note here just called Walloper Dump because they don't split neatly into all the new episodes I want to produce. And it's so healthy. There's tons in there right now. Um, but I don't want to do a half-assed version for you guys. I know this episode is going to be so long and probably fucking so boring to some people, but hopefully you enjoyed some of the crack we had here today. Um, don't forget, get out there, get in touch with the show, out of Instagram, we're on Reddit, we're on Letterboxd, we're on buymeacoffee.com, uh, trying to get a second microphone, raise some funds, that campaign's going well, get your ass over there. Uh, we are also... Uh, everywhere that you get podcasts, everywhere it's possible to get podcasts from, you can listen to Punkadelic Podcast. And, uh, you know, don't forget to tell your friends, help us grow this show with a couple of tasteful shares, um, let people know that we're doing good things. We're talking about, you know, reading books and mixed martial arts. We're, we're getting after it over here. Movies, metal, mixed martial arts. I think that's going to be the business card when I get it made up with the QR code with the link tree link in it. And, um, I can start passing those out at cultural events around Vancouver here and uh, start spreading the word. I think that's maybe one thing I'm going to pursue. Uh, a couple of business cards, QR codes. Because they ever got back into using QR codes. They got cool again. Who would have known? So it's not like you're going to hand someone a card with a QR code and they're going to go, wow, I can't wait to roach joints with this and never use the QR code. I mean, it's that's still likely to happen, but it's less likely. And I think just three bullet points, like the Punkadelic Podcast logo on one side with the... Um, with the sticker canvas background blurred out and then on the other side qr code and then movies metal mixed martial arts what do you think feedback to me on that i'd love to hear what you think of that um and then if and when i get those printed up anybody that's been a fan of the show let me know and i'll post you a couple because you deserve to have them you can stick them up on your wall or something i don't know i should have stickers made up as well um i've got a cool idea for a punkadelic podcast t-shirt someday but I don't know if we're ever going to get that far. Let's be honest. It's not going that well. But I love it. I still love it. I still get a ton out of it. If you have good fun on here, that's fantastic. Please don't forget to rate the podcast on Spotify. Drop us maybe a review on Apple Podcasts. Don't know if we have any over there. But I have seen that the listenership has gotten a lot more diverse by platform. Um, So getting out onto those extra networks, putting the effort in to do that has obviously paid off. So appreciate everyone listening on Apple Podcasts uh, and Pocket Casts. And I think it's CastBox is the other one that's getting big. Uh, not big, but Spotify still rules the rooster because, um, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's free everywhere. So just, you know, this podcast will always be free. Don't worry about it. And uh, Thanks for indulging me, going on rants, talking shit, talking about Stephen King books that you guys are probably never going to read. And um. Yeah, that's it, and that's that. As I like to always say, as I've stolen from Joey Diaz, and then as I've also stolen from Joey Diaz, stay black, and then as is completely Double D original, peace, love, punkadelic. <laughs>